If you don't know, today is Father's Day. Yes, happy Father's Day to you, uh, all of you who are fathers. Oh, I hear a little clap back there. Go ahead. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Uh, uh, here's one of the things. I, I forgot to say something in the first service, and I know there were people out there. We have a photo booth out there. I want you to go out, get your picture made with your kids. Uh, get your picture made, even if your kids aren't here. I did that today. My kids are all over, but I went ahead and got my picture standing there. Happy Father's Day. Send it to them. <laughs> So you make sure you, you utilize that. Uh, I want to, if you are a dad in here, if you're a father, would you stand right now, please? All over the room. Go ahead and stand up. If you're a father, all over. Uh, listen, I, I want to speak to you for just a moment. I want to tell you how much uh, I'm thankful for you. I want to tell you what it means to see you in this room right now. Uh, you know, it, it, I'm not only to you, but to the rest of the, the, the people in here, I want you to know it, it's tough being a father today. It's difficult. It, you know, uh, people are chop, trying to chop the legs out from under fathers today. Some of that maybe we've relinquished and we've given them opportunity for that. But what we call you to, what you hear me week after week is say this to you. Listen, God's given us and ordained us as to be leaders of our families. He's called us to stand with his word hidden in our heart and to lead our families like Jesus would. Lead with compassion, lead with truth, lead with lives of integrity. And some of you right now, you may be going, oh, I don't know if I'd do that well. Well, here's what I want you to know. Today, you can start that. I encourage you, I call you, I implore you, come along with me. Listen, I'm not a perfect father. I know you're not a perfect father, but what we are doing right here is we are setting the stage for what God can do and wants to do in your family. You're not ever going to get it right, but Jesus in you will get it right. The Holy Spirit guiding you and leading you. Families in here, kids, wives, I want, to, I want us to pray for, our, for these men. I want us to pray for them. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask if there's a man around you, you know him, he's your, he's your man, he's your dad, he's your husband. I'm going to ask you to put your hand on him, and I'm going to ask you to pray for him. Children, your dad's around here. I'm going to ask you right now to begin praying for your dad and that you, uh, you honor him. If, if, there, if, you're, if, if there's someone else around here, you make sure that you're praying for them. Let's pray together, all right? Father, right now, I love you, and I thank you for these men. I thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to walk alongside them, Father. I thank you, God, that the men in this room seek to want to honor you with their lives. And God, right now, I know that there are men in here who may not even know you as Lord and Savior, and I'm asking that today they would surrender their life to you. God, for the men in here who proclaim you as Savior, God, would you encourage them? I pray that uh, they would hear in their home today how much they are loved, that they would be encouraged. God, we thank you that you don't call us to be perfect men on our own. You call us to look like the perfect heavenly father. And we thank you for being that for us. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you love us so much you sent your son to die for us. We thank you that you gave us your word so that we would know how to live and how to lead our families. Lord Jesus, 
Grow us. Make us be everything you want us to be. Call these men. Encourage them in the deepest parts of their heart. Challenge them to be more, not in their own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit for your glory's sake today. And it's in the name of Jesus we ask these things. Amen. Why don't you sit down? Uh, I want to say this to you. Uh, if you... If your dad is not here today, uh, would you, one of the things I would love for you to do is to call your father, FaceTime them, uh, text them, do something and let them know how much you love them, all right? That's probably one of the greatest gifts you can give your dad is just to say, I, I love you. I'm thankful for you. Some of you in here, you may be going, that's going to be really difficult because you don't know my dad. You don't know what I grew up in. Well, let me tell you one of the greatest gifts you could give your dad is to call him and say, I love you, and I love you so much, I want you to know how my life has been changed by Jesus, and I want you to know him. You're not responsible for what he does with it, but as a follower of Christ, that could be one of the greatest gifts you ever give your father. You know, I didn't grow up in a home with a father. Uh, I, I, I had a father. He was a part with my mom and I came, and then he was not around. Alcohol, drug abuse, um, you know, dysfunction. You look it up in the dictionary, my family picture's there. You may understand that in your own family. But here's what I had. I had a mom, single moms. I had a mom who took me to church, and there were Pauls and Peters and Timothys and the Apostle Johns. There were Tychiuses. There were Silas's who came alongside me and showed me what it meant to be a godly man. And you know what I need? You know what this church needs? You know what our children need? They need more godly men to step into preschool ministry, kids ministry, teenage ministry, because there are parents who need that. There are parents who need that. You know, our church needs you to step in. Men, I'm asking you to do a difficult thing. Step in. Uh, you'll never regret it. I promise you. You'll wonder why you're doing it in the middle of it, but then you're going to look back and go, that's why I did it, when you see the lives that are changed. So you join me. Men, thank you for what you do. Grab your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6. We're carrying on with a series that we actually began last summer called The Way. It was by, uh, there's a, there, the sermon in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. You've heard me say this several weeks. It was by the greatest preacher, and it's the greatest sermon. It's the greatest preacher and the greatest sermon. This is a sermon that Jesus preached sitting on a mountainside when he sat down and his disciples came to him. We learned at the end of chapter 7 that there were somewhere around 5,000 people who probably heard this, this message. And in this message, he begins to call us to be followers of the way. This week, I was reading a, uh, 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 an article about a social experiment that was done. Now, this, the company didn't mean for it to be a social experiment. That's what it became. They wanted to do it as a marketing experience. It was by, led by one of the uh, large greeting card companies uh, in the United States. And what they did is they thought, well, this will get some good pub and traction. And they went to one of the state prisons and they took all kinds of Mother's Day cards right before Mother's Day, had them out and offered for any of the male prisoners to be able to come and write a, a, a Mother's Day card. You address it, 
We'll put the stamp on it. We'll make sure it gets to where it needs to be. They were overwhelmed. In fact, they had to come back with more cards because there were so many men who were wanting to write cards for their mom, their stepmom, or people who filled in to be their mom. They thought, this is incredible. So they were going to come back. They said, what we're going to do, we're going to do this a few weeks prior to Father's Day for the men. They brought all of these cards back to the same prison for the men. Not one man showed up. Not one man showed up. They began to walk around and find out but from the guards why no one was coming. And the men said, number one, I don't know where my dad is. I don't know who my dad is. Number, I don't care if I ever see that blankety-blank again. Folks, uh, that social experiment really should prove to us men how important having a father figure is. Having a godly father in the home. Do you realize that when godly fathers are, are existing in the home, when godly fathers are existing in the home, all of the social things that destroy families that we hear about, alcoholism, drug abuse, um, anxieties, abuse of spouses, the scripture, or excuse me, social scientists tell us they go away. That, that's not perfect fathers. That's godly fathers pouring into them, pouring into those families. That's what allows things to happen in a home. Listen, I think this is a little bit about what Jesus has been trying to help us to see here in chapter 6, is that the presence of the Father matters. The presence of the Holy Father, God himself, makes a difference in our lives. And what's been going on at the beginning of chapter 6 is this. You've had the religious elite, the Pharisees, who, have, you remember the three big practices, the worship practices of the Jews? We talked about this a few weeks ago. It was giving, it was prayer, and fasting. They were more concerned about what everyone else was looking at and seeing them than whether or not the Father was seeing them. The scripture uh, Jesus continues to lay out, it has to do with, listen, if you're going to follow me, you're going to be a follower of the way, the way of the kingdom, not the way of the religious, the, the, the religious elite, not them, not the Pharisees. He says, when you follow me, it looks completely different. Where they're worried about, what it, about who's watching, listen, in true re reality, the only motivation for us should be is the Father seeing? Does He know? Why is it that I'm doing what I'm doing? And for the last several weeks, we've been calling you. We've been laying out to you. Why do we do what we do? Why do you worship the way you worship? Why do you give? Why do you pray? Uh, do you know what a battle that is sometimes for me, even in my own personal prayer time at home? When your mind starts to wonder, or when you're worshiping here together, I wonder who's here, I wonder who's not here, I wonder who's seeing this, I wonder what they're doing. And you have to come back and say, Father, this is about you. I'm focusing on you. God, give me the opportunity. I want to hear and know you, not anyone else. And so for the last several weeks, we've been challenging you. I've been challenging you. We've been walking with one another going, why are we doing what we're doing? And now we've come to a passage, uh, three little verses, three little verses. We've dealt with giving, we've dealt with prayer, and now we come to the passage on fasting. Some of you men are going, great, 
Fasting, this is the day I'm, I, I'm, I want to be eating steak and you're talking about fasting. You're going to get me, what are you, what are you doing, Kyle? Uh, well, we're going, to, we're going to look at what does it mean for us to pull away, for us to pull away from what it is that the world says and feast on the Father. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 16, 17, and 18. Matthew 16, 17, and 18. And so if you will, please, would you mind standing in honor of the reading of God's Word? Jesus is speaking, and He says this, and when you fast, do not look gloomly like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Uh, this, over the last several weeks, you know, when you're teaching through a, a series and a series of passages that all link together, you, things begin to run together. You're looking at what you've previously preached, where you're headed, all the study. You're not just studying a few verses, you're studying over long courses of chapter because you're looking for uh, the line of thought. And one of the unique things about this, when you're studying chapter 6, Verses 16 through 18 is that there's not a whole lot of commentary about it in, commentary, in, in commentaries. And, and I begin to wonder, I wonder why. Is it because nobody wants to fast? Is it because uh, churches don't fast so nobody wants to talk about it? Do you realize there's not a whole lot of, there's a few major uh, authors who've written some on fasting. Fasting, I think, is the discipline, the act of worship, the discipline of worship uh, and the spiritual aspect that we probably do the least. Uh, in Texas, which is where I'm from, uh, there is a type of chili that you can go and buy off the, off the shelf. It's called Wolf Brand Chili. Wolf Brand Chili. And their, their, their slogan is always this. It's always a bunch of cowboys. They're always around a fire. And they always have this Wolf Brand Chili that they're eating. And they say, how long has it been since you've had a can of Wolf Brand Chili? Everybody just kind of looks around and he says, partner, that's way too long. I don't know why you'd want a can of Wolf Brand Chili to begin with. It makes them real. Here's my question for you. When's the last time you fasted? Have you ever fasted? Believer, that's way too long. You know, this week, as I'm studying even more intently, it the Lord's began to set on me. Kyle, when's the last time you have fasted? Folks, you realize I can't come and preach or teach anything to you that I don't have to deal with myself. And the Lord began to deal with me. And so I, this passage is so good and so rich. One of the things that we see here, even in three verses, one of the things that we see right here is this. Notice in verse 16, like he's done with giving and prayer, he starts by telling us how not to fast. Jesus got a pattern here. Notice what he says in verse 16. In verse 16, he says this, and when you fast, and I want to draw something out, not if you fast, when you fast. He says, when you fast, 
Do not look gloomly like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. You see, what he's doing here is he's continuing to contrast between the followers of the way, the true believers. If you're going to follow me, Jesus says, the followers of the way, or you're going to be like the hypocrites, those who... They do something, but they're, and it looks good, but their hearts are far from me. He says, don't be like that. Don't do that at all. You know, listen, uh, fasting was huge. In fact, all good Jews were commanded by the Old Testament law that they had to fast at least one day a year in, uh, on the Day of Atonement. When the high priest would go in, he'd make, sins for the, he'd make atonement for the sins of the nation. In fact, even today in uh, Jewish synagogues today, they no longer, it's no longer the Day of Atonement, it's Yom Kippur, and they go and they fast the entire day, food and water, to observe this. Jesus himself here, what he's doing, he's not condemning a faithful fast. What Jesus is doing here is he's condemning Pharisees and hypocrites, as he calls them, for making themselves the center of the fast. Notice what he says there. He says, look, when you do this, don't look gloomly like the hypocrites who disfigure their face. The word disfigure here uh, in the original language that this is written in, in Greek, it means this. It, it, It means to be unrecognizable, to be unrecognizable. The Jews of that day, the Pharisees specifically that he was speaking of, they typically wore long robes and sashes. They had bells, literally, that were on the uh, bottom of their, uh, of their coats and their cloaks. They had turbans. They, I mean, they, they, they were decked out. They had Sunday best all week, except when they were fasting. And when they were fasting, what they would do is they would put on a, a type of material called a sack cloth. Sackcloth was a rough, rough material made out of uh, flax. And it was meant to cause them to know and to remember uh, the hardships. Uh, uh, It was typically done during a mourning season. When you were mourning, you wore sackcloth. They would take ash, like from the altar, ashes burnt off, and they would cover themselves in it. They would have ash on them. It says they look gloomly, they didn't, they, there was not a lot of personal hygiene we know from extra biblical history. I mean, they didn't bathe, they didn't take care of themselves, and they would walk around moaning. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, when I'm fasting, the times that I have fast, I get hangry. I'm just going to tell you. And the, 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 what's going on in my stomach? Um, You know, those noises, those pangs, those are the types of things they were doing physically. And what does Jesus say right here? Don't do what they're doing. You see, he's not condemning fasting. He's condemning them drawing attention to themselves. He says, listen, they've already got their reward. He said, what they've done, what was their reward? The eyes of men, the sympathy of everybody in the synagogue. Hey, look at, oh, they're fasting. They're holy. They're, the, the high priest, the Pharisees, watch them. He says, listen, they may have missed a meal, but they've also missed the heart of God and what it is that they're doing. Jesus says, this is not what we're calling you to. 
Don't be drawing attention to yourself. He says they've gotten their reward already. So with that, what is it that we should look like? What does a faithful fast look like? Two points I want you to see today coming from this passage. I hope you've got something you're writing down. The first one is this. The first one is this, is that we should, a, a, a faithful fast is a fast from the world. A faithful fast is a fast from the world. Look at verse 17. Verse 17, Jesus says, remember, when you fast, not if. He says, so when you do that, when, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Basically, what he says is this. Listen, you get up, you take a shower, you clean up, you put on a little perfume, a little cologne, and you go about your business. You go about it. The scripture here when he says, uh, but when you fast, anoint your head, is reminiscent of Psalm 23 when, when the psalmist says, you anoint my head with oil. Oil was a symbol of refreshing a symbol of refreshing. And most of those anointings, they would have had spices in them that would have made themselves like smell good. It was like a, a perfume, a cologne. He says, listen, get up, wash your face, anoint yourself, anoint your head with oil, get the ash off your face, wear your normal clothes because you you, you don't walk around looking like them, drawing attention, because this is done between you and me. This is about you and the Father. You see, what is fasting? Fasting is this. I want you to write this down. Fasting is the practice of abstaining. It's the practice of abstaining to focus on the Father. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the primary thing that you abstained from was food. You, you went away from food. I'm going to forego food so that I can get the Father. I'm going to forego created so that I can get the Creator. I'm going to forego food so that I can feast on Him. You see, that's what fasting is all about. Jesus was asking Matthew chapter 29, hey, how come none of your disciples, how come none of them are, are fasting with you right now? And Jesus said, listen, uh, while the bridegroom is here, there's no need to mourn. There's no need for that. There's going to be a day when the bridegroom leaves and then they will fast. And folks, I believe the scripture teaches that until Jesus returns, we're still expected to fast. Uh, uh, listen, there's not, a there's not a prescribed amount. He says, when you fast, how often is that? Uh, that's between you and the Father. Here's the deal, though. Just like when he says, when you give, there's an expectation you're going to give. When you pray, there's an expectation that you're going to pray. When you fast, I don't tell you how much. I don't know how much you need to give. The Father tells you that. I don't tell you when to have your prayer time. The Father tells you that. But we are called as until the day Jesus returns and he wipes away because there's no more need to fast. You know why? Because we'll, have, we'll be sitting at a banqueting table with him. We'll be with him. So the question at hand is, is how often have you fasted? When is the last time you fasted? What does that look like for you? Jesus is concerned with his disciples foregoing good things 
so that you can get the greater thing, him. But you know what he's more concerned about than any of that? Your heart and the matter. If you fast 40 days and your heart is nowhere near Jesus and all you're thinking about is food and it becomes a self-discipline of beating my body, that's not a fast. That's a diet. I'm not talking about intermittent fasting here. Fasting is not about pounds. It's about presence, okay? Fasting is about getting before the presence of the living God and hearing from him. And some of us in here right now, I'll confess, I've been there before. You're thinking, there's no way I can go without lunch, much less all day. I would say that's because you've not tasted deeply of the living bread, of the living water. Because when we begin to forego what is so wonderful, I need you to hear me. I'm so thankful for the food that I have. You can tell. I'm thankful for it. My wife is, uh, listen, I can feed us. We're not going to go hungry. There'll be, I can feel the hole that's in my belly. My wife, though, can make a meal. It's wonderful. But as wonderful as it is, do you realize it's only a foretaste of what heaven is like? It is called, it is a pointer. These things that we forego are a pointer to a greater reality. And we can't even imagine it because we're so looking at the things that we don't see this is the greater. We've got our eyes fixed low. And when we forego food, some of you in here right now, you're going, it'd be difficult for me. I don't know that I can actually do that medically. I don't know if I can do that medically. Okay. Well, in our world today, for uh, everyone in here, you can take your phone and you can set it down and walk away from it for about a week. Some of you are getting the DTs right now. You're shaking, (laughs) which is the very essence of Maybe it's time to forego it. I don't know if you've ever taken your phone and looked at the screen time. I did that this week, and I was embarrassed. No one can ever say, I don't have time to spend time in the Word, reading, listening. Just look at your screen time. So for most of us, maybe it's, putting our phone down, putting social media away, dropping off Netflix. Listen, the four or five hours and the shows you've been binging, drop them. Maybe it's Spotify. I'm not saying you have to drop it forever. What I am saying is this. We don't put away food forever. We put it away for a side, for a time. We're going to get away from it. I'm going to get away from the world, a fast of the world, so that I can get the Father. Here's what I can tell you. The Father is greater than anything you would put away. I promise you that. He is greater than anything you can put away. You know what fasting does for us? It creates a hunger. You would go, duh. Yeah, I mean, it does. It creates a hunger, a yearning, a yearning to eat. Some of you right now, you're yearning for this hour to be over. You want to get to Longhorn. It's Father's Day. Get the grill fired up, steaks, brats, chicken. I'm ready for all of those things. Listen, this is the whole point of fasting is that it creates a yearning, a desire, 
a hunger that leads us somewhere to fulfill that emptiness in our belly. I want you to hear me. When you take that yearning and desire and you say, God, I'm going to get away from this. I'm going to forego lunch and I'm going to spend this time with you. I'm going to read your word. I want to pray. When that hunger pain comes, that is your call to worship. That is your call to prayer. Father, I I need you to fill me. I know that you can do that. Where I've been taking food, I'm taking you today because you're, I'm taking your word because the scripture tells me that your word, your word are the words of life. Your words are sweeter than honey. I'm taking your word. When you are naturally going to reach over because you're trying to kill a little time and you're going to start scrolling, I'm going to go to the word. And I'm not going to scroll. I'm going to turn. I'm just going to read and I'm going to turn. You see, a fast is a fast from the world so that we have the Father. We're we're saying, I don't worship the creation. I'm going to worship the creator. What I've been filling myself with is good, but this is greater. And some of you, I would venture to say all of us, That's something that we all need to experience more of. When's the last time you fasted? Well, it may be too long. It may be too long. The second thing quickly is this, is not only is it a fast from the world, but it is a fast with the Father. It's a fast from the world, and it's a fast with the Father. Look at verse 18. Verse 18 says this. He says, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. That's a promise. Do you hear that? That's a promise that when you do this in secret, not motivated by who's watching, who's going to know, hey, I'm fasting today. Oh oh, man, I I haven't been on social media today. Oh gosh. Hey, I'm, I'm going offline. I'm, fa- I'm fasting for social media for the next three weeks. No, no, no. Just fast for the next three weeks from social media. Don't, you don't have to do it in secret. You don't have to tell anybody. You don't have to tell anybody. You know we're in a really messed up world when we tell everybody everything online. But that's another story. Let me go back here. Come back here. Listen, uh, just like, just like, Giving in secret, Scripture says you'll be rewarded. Praying in secret, you'll be rewarded. Scripture even says that when we fast in secret, we'll be rewarded. Uh, uh, I'm looking forward to rewards if the Lord so chooses to give them. There's nothing wrong uh, with hoping for rewards. But I need you to hear this. Do you know what the greatest reward we're going to get? Is the Father. That's what we get. The reward is the Father. The scripture says that one day our goal, when we, get, when we see him face to face, is to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into your reward. The scripture tells us in Corinthians that he, there are going to be rewards. There will be crowns that at some point we receive, but you know what the very next thing is? We cast them before him. They're his 
Yes, we're going to be rewarded. We're going to be rewarded with things that we can't even imagine, with understanding we don't understand. I had no idea. Insight. Listen, you're not just going away. I need to make sure you hear me. You're not just going away from food. When you're going away from food, you're then going to the Father in his word, in his prayer, with a journal. You're writing things down. You're singing. You're worshiping with him. When Amy and I were getting ready to go to uh, discerning, how about that? In 2007, that's a, a long time ago now. In 2007, discerning whether or not the Lord was calling us to go to Brussels. The church, our church body had a thing called the sacred gathering. It was a time where we all came together as a body. For three days, we cleared our calendar, literally cleared the calendar. And uh, we prayed, we fasted, we gathered at night, and we would sing. It was during that time, Amy and I were fasting together. We were foregoing food. We were foregoing television. We, We couldn't forego work. We'd get up in the morning We'd wash, we'd take shower, we'd we'd do our deal. We would get to lunch. For me, it was a mid-morning snack. I'd get to mid-morning, and I've got to pull the word out, and I'm reading, I'm writing. She'd get to lunch, write it out. We would come back together. And do you know what fasting does? Fasting is like super jet fuel poured, poured into your spiritual life. Now, when we came back together, I want to make sure that you hear me. In case you don't know, the word Brussels and Belgium are not in the Bible. Amy and Kyle Gowen are not in the Bible. So what was it the Lord was saying to us? As I began to read the word, as we were fasting, as we were foregoing things so that we could hear from the Father, not so that we could get an answer. Fasting is not about getting answers. Fasting is about getting the Father. And when you get the Father, He moves you to where He desires you to be. He lets you understand His Word, not secret knowledge, His Word. This is how He speaks to us. And so what we began to see is this, the nations going, sending, evangelism. And Amy and I both went, this is what He wants us to do. This is it. See, he moved us. We didn't move him. We didn't go to him and say, God, do we need to sell our house? No, we went to him and said, Father, rearrange us. I want to know you. I want to know what your heartbeat is. And whatever your heartbeat is, is what we'll do. Do you understand where I'm at? If you do, yes. If no, do this. Okay. You see, when we forego those things that might distract us so that we can, when we forego food so that we can feast with the Father, he begin, we begin to hear him in very unique and bright ways because his word becomes alive. It becomes alive. But you know what he's doing at that point? He's calling us to be faithful to him. He, he's calling us and asking, why are you doing this? Are you just wanting a word or are you wanting me? Are you just wanting a word? Have you ever known somebody who was trying to get an, uh, God, what do you want me to do? And they start opening the Bible, just starting to read in different places. Hmm. 
he went out and hung himself. Nope, that's not it. Uh, listen, when you're wanting a word from the Lord, you know what you do? You keep doing exactly what you're doing. You meet with him. You read. You journal. You worship. Talk to godly people. You ask him to rearrange your life to line up with his life. What do you desire? Father, I'm foregoing food. Father, I'm foregoing social media. Father, I'm foregoing because I need you. I need you. Because when we get him, he leads us. You're holding his hand. Have you ever, with your child, felt like I need to take them somewhere? You've tried to explain to them how to get there, and at some point, you reach down and you grab their hand, and you just start walking them to where they need to be. This is what he does. He moves us to where he desires us to be. That's what a loving father does for his children. We, we don't fast to get his attention. We don't fast to say, this is how much I love you. We fast because we want him. I hope you're understanding. I'm a repeater. This is important because it's a part of what Christ has called us to do in our worship. So what does this mean for us? Well, I mean, listen, three little verses here. Don't do this, do this, and I'll reward you. What does that mean for us? Well, here's the first thing I would say personally. Here's the application. Some of us in here need to begin to fast. We need to Ask the Father to break the hold of food in our life, to break the hold of social media in our life. We need to ask the Father to break the hold of entertainment in our life. We need to ask the Father to strengthen my love for you. And when you forego for the Father, He will do that. But the, the very first time I fasted, I thought I was going to die. No, really, I did. I didn't realize how addicted to some things I was. And it wasn't just food. Entertainment, people. I, Lord, I, I, I don't know if I can do this. And you know what he said? You can't, I can. My grace is sufficient. And you're going to feel like that. As I said a minute ago, some of you, it, you may need to start with a lunch. Some of you may need to start with a day. Some of you may need to set your, I would encourage all of us to set our phone down. I would encourage all of us to turn our television off for a period of time so that we can hear the Father speak to us through the Word. What is it that you desire for me? Some of you in here today, there's no way you could ever do that. You know why? Because you're not a follower of Christ. You say, what are you saying? I, I can give up food. Yeah, but you're giving up bread but you don't have the living bread. You may be able to not have bread, but you won't hear the living bread. Your very first step is to come and taste and see that the Lord, he is good. He laid his life down on a cross. Fasting doesn't save us. It buys us no merit. Our worth, our righteousness is because Jesus Christ laid his life down on a cross. 
He was buried in a grave. He rose three days later, and today he's at the right hand of the Father. And then he called me from death to life. He took my blind eyes and gave me sight. That is what he wants to do in your life today. And when you come to Jesus and he changes you from the inside, you submit your life. And I want to use a very specific word here, two words, submit and surrender. It's not, it's not like addition to your life. You submit your life to him. You surrender your life to him. And then he begins to help you to understand, here's what I desire for you. You begin to hear him. You then begin to realize, oh, yes, his word is sweet. He does fill me up. I can forego for him. Some of you in here today as followers of Christ, it's time that you begin a fast, that you forego so that you can feast. There's also a corporate piece to this that I want to encourage you with. We're asking as a church, those of you who can, those of you who will, uh, during the week of the 26th, our students are going to youth camp. And on June the 28th through the 29th, I believe it is, June 28th through 29th, it's a Tuesday to Wednesday. We're asking for those of you who can and those of you who will to fast with us for 24 hours from 8 p.m. or is it 8 or 7? 8 p.m. to 8 p.m. Finish with your dinner, your supper, as they would say in Texas. Finish with that, that evening meal. And then you're going to fast for 24 hours. Why are we asking us to do this? Number one, uh, the gospel is shared every night at youth camp. But on that Wednesday night, there is a special emphasis on those who've never surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, the Savior. And those of us who are not there, we're asking, would you go before the Father, interceding on their behalf? Lord, would you do whatever you want to do at camp? Father, would you change me? Father, would you speak to people at, at, at student camp? For those of you who are going, students and leaders, we don't want you to do that at camp. We need you to have all the energy that you can have there. You know, Jesus, uh, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights just prior to going into ministry, okay? So leaders and students, we would ask this week, this Tuesday, Tuesday from 8 p.m. to Wednesday, 8 p.m., would you be willing to fast and pray for that? Would you be willing to do that? You see, when we come together as a body and we say, we're, Father, we want to know you. We're asking you, uh, Father, to reveal yourself to us. What ends up happening is that when he reveals us, himself to us, it causes us to move. And in that, we're asking that he would save people. That he would save people. Church, would you forego so that you can feast? Would you give up the creation? created, so that you can have the creator who is all good, who is all powerful, who is fulfilling. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you and I thank you. I honor you. I'm so thankful for this body. I'm thankful for what you're doing. Father, I'm thankful that today 
on Father's Day, we got to witness a father baptizing his son. Lord, I'm asking today, would you save some man, some little boy, some woman, some little girl? Would you change their eternal destiny? And then give them the courage to respond. Lord, I'm asking you today, if there are believers in here, and we know that there are, who need to forego, would you give them the courage to trust you, that you will be faithful to them? Jesus, I magnify you. I've seen you move. I've seen you enlighten myself with your word. I'm asking you would do the same in the lives of individuals here. Lord, we know that you are doing a great work in this body, and we ask that you would continue that. Thank you. Thank you for the privilege that we get to be LifePoint Riverdale. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you that we get to live for your glory in this community. And it's in the name of Jesus that I ask these things today. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand up with me. We're going to sing together. We do that each week. Part of our response today is singing. Part of it is giving. Part of it is maybe you need to come to the altar and pray. I'm going to be down front. If you would like someone to pray with you, I'm here. After a few minutes, I'm going to go to the, uh, to the back. Maybe you want somebody... You want to pray with someone back there. You want to know how to surrender your life to Christ. I want to help you walk through that. Uh, Whatever it is, you respond in kind the way the Holy Spirit is leading you today. Zion, would you come and lead us?